and welcome back to Now That's What I Call a Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Will. And you're adding the A again, the Paul. A in there. We've decided now this. that's what I call podcast. podcast. Welcome back. This is going to be a bit of a shorter episode, but we've, as we alluded to in our last episode, we've kind of had breaking news recently. Yeah, very exciting stuff to be doing a uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor podcast at the moment that perhaps the largest Godspeed You Black Emperor news has ever come out. So the long-awaited, semi-apocryphal original EP of Godspeed You Black of the the people who would become Godspeed You Black Emperor, um, Ephraim Menup, Mario Pizzetti, uh they had a 1994 EP called "All Lights Fucked on the Harry Amp Drooling," which was released originally onto 33 cassettes and distributed just as those cassettes. For decades, there have been rumors of it floating around. Um, We'll touch on this a bit later, but kind of interestingly, people definitely had this, but it seems to have survived this long just on respect for the bands and the bands. Not not full-on opposition to it being released, but it seemed from FM some semi-embarrassment about it. Yeah. um, just, just a feeling that it was not part of the Godspeed canon, but it, yeah, I mean, I, from what I understand, because he was actually on a podcast, like very yes, I, I listened to that podcast, um, and from what I understand, well. it, like the entire album is basically just him, and it's not so much that I think he thinks it's bad as it is that it's not, it's just like so divorced from what Godspeed is <laughs> later, yeah, so that it's kind of you, a confusing release. If if you want to listen to Ephraim talk, which again, it's it, of a musician of his stature, stature interviews with him are fairly rare. Episode 667 of the creative control podcast has Ephraim Manuk as a guest. And he talks a little bit about, about the release of the EP. So yeah, it's, it's not, not like he's embarrassed by the album as much as it's not, doesn't really represent yeah. Godspeed your black emperor. Even though it was released under that name, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it has his later collaborators like Trudeau or Moya on it. But it does have uh, Mauro Pazente doing some of the bass, I believe. Mm. And it was leaking around on our last episode. It leaked on 4chan originally and kind of floated around Reddit and Discord with some with some. Um, disagreement over its yeah there's a lot of but... a lot of interesting skepticism at first people like being really invested in saying that it wasn't real and then people being like I-, I thought that was a very funny kind of discussion about it of like well the band doesn't want it to be up but like if they were real communists they would let us share it <laughs> like, I, I don't really understand <laughs> where we, this we, is we, coming we from. talked about that last time where we we certainly think that you're allowed to be left wing and still you know get money in exchange for your music but the band confirmed it and they released it on their band camp yeah i don't think i don't think it's a money thing for um for god because no. like you can stream no. so for reference if they're, you want they're, right they're now they're gonna make dozens of dollars yes off of this you can weekend. find it for free on youtube just searching all lights fucked on the harry amp drooling it's also on like a an internet archive where you can download it for free and it's it's parsed out by tracks and now it is on the um constellation i believe uh bandcamp page and you can go but they they have it in like four tracks that you can just stream for free if you want to on bandcamp or you can buy it if you're so inclined but they have the album cut up into like quarters 
which is a little bit, um, I mean, for an EP, it's a whole fucking hour. So, I mean, it's, and it's, yeah, it's like this is quite an a, album. I mean, yeah, it, it's this, quite a commitment to get through. It's an EP in that it wasn't a full release, but this is album length. Yeah. So like, it's not, it's not like you're, you know, if you want to throw them five bucks for an hour of music, then, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's not like particularly easily portioned out to listen to just because like, as we'll get to in a sec, the structure of the songs is like all over the goddamn place. Like some songs are 30 yeah. seconds. Some songs are four minutes, but most of them are, are kind a... of weird snippety kind of cut together um, lo-fi stuff. So it's just a weird album to listen to as a whole. It's not something you're going to ever go through and be like, I love this track and put it on a, on a shuffle or anything. If I had to choose one word to describe it, I think choppy would be the word I would use. Um, with with the individual songs and with the song structure in general, I just found it a very kind of choppy album. Yeah, it's the, a weird the, listen. The, the, the songs do not... Are, are not structured to flow together very well, for me at least. No, I agree. Um, but, but just up top, well, did, did you like it? Did you think it was a good album? I did. I, I, so I think that, like, kind of what happened with this is, like, to be honest with you, is kind of the best version of what could happen, I think, where it's, like, yes, it is both... Because I think, like, one bad version would be it comes out and it turns out that it's, like, a lot of early demos of, like, F-sharp, A-sharp, and stuff like that, and it just kind of sucks in comparison to what exists. So, like... That would right. kind of that be a drag. A worse, that is a worse version of, yeah, of what it is something existing. they already have. And then another bad version is it comes out and it's wildly different and it's a drag. <laughs> so, like, it's something yes. different, but, like, who cares? And I think we kind of actually hit this cool sweet spot where it's, like, it's out. It's quite different than the early Godspeed stuff that you hear on F-sharp, A-sharp. Like, like, very extremely so much that it would be considered a different artist. But I also think it is compelling in what it is. Like, it is a lo-fi, outsider music, noise rock tape collage. Like, and it's kind of fucking cool. Like, I think, I think that is neat. And I, I'm, I'm happy, like, the way that it came out. I've listened to it a couple times through. It's not an album that I'm going to, like, put on all the time and be like, wow, I'm really looking for an hour of, like, dusty lo-fi Canadian, you know, <laughs> like, tape recordings. But I think it is, like, this cool, uh, you know, window into a world where like oh Ephraim could have done something very different like this feels like to me it reminded me a lot of like or uh, like 90s alternative lo-fi stuff from America that I really like um like like early guided by voices and Sebado um oh some other stuff I mean even some like Daniel Johnston-y kind of like outsider music weird stuff which I think we might have mentioned before like and it's just kind of neat that it's that different and that like it's it's a pretty good version of that like I'm I'm not gonna say that it's you know, if you like Godspeed's other stuff, you're going to like this. But, like, if you are kind of open to, like, really lo-fi, experimental 90s, like, alternative weirdness that was that was going on in other places, I think this is, like, kind of a cool fossil of that time period. And, like, I'm, I'm glad that it exists the way it does. Well, uh, what were your thoughts on it as, a, as kind of a whole piece? Yeah, that's the... The main thought I had is, is something that you touched on that... Ephraim could have had a career as this band. Yeah, it could have gone. It's it a very, it's 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 scuzzy, but I mean, there's plenty of not popular in the worldwide sense, but locally popular bands that sound like this. And so, on the one hand, it's very cool to listen to. You're exactly right. It is not a worse version of something else they've done. 
it's a different thing, and it's something that could have led to a career where, you know, probably wouldn't have been as big as Godspeed. Oh, I, but I 100% guarantee you it would not have been as big as Godspeed, but it would have had, like, but only, it would have found a micro-niche, you know, of something. Yeah, but only because I think it's a niche. The, the incredible thing about Godspeed that we've been discussing is that there was kind of a loose genre, but they took a sound and, and made it into a genre that other people would try and yeah. imitate. And they would not have done that with this sound, but they could have been popular in this kind of scuzzy, post-punky niche. Um, and that's very cool. I, I don't think I liked the experience of listening. I mean, like, like I, we were kind of joking before when... I said I would not be surprised if this was your favorite Godspeed album, which was kind of. But there, I bet there are definitely. You, I bet you like this better than some of their albums. Um. Yes, for sure. Like yeah, I, bet, I bet you like this better our, than Yankee. Yes. Or some of the Godspeed. ones in our in our like Yankee and I think Luciferian Towers, which to me are just kind of like. The more, two at the the two at the end. You yeah, mean? the two at the end of both of our lists, I believe, are which are just kind of like more boring versions. I had, of the I had Yankee. Sound. I think I had Yankee at the very bottom. The very bottom. Yeah, well, I, think I think I, I had it as well. Um, I think we had Yankee. Either way, I think like, and Godspeed. I think there are pieces Godspeed. of this that I like a little more than those. But a as a whole, let me just caution you to say, listener, dear listener, if you go into yes. this album as a whole, I would say it is probably like fifteen to twenty minutes of like cool, interesting, lo-fi noise rock, and then probably about like forty minutes of like tape hiss and noise and weird, um, like just like full-on, um, you know, non-music noise music, which which like is okay, but is, I think, personally, there's, like, probably about 15 to 20 minutes of really cool stuff in this hour for me. So, like, I don't know as a whole release if I'm like, yeah, like, like Harry Amp is going to be in my top Godspeed things, but I think there's, like, you know, there's, like, a EP of music's worth in here that I think is, is very cool, and I'm glad I've heard now from them. If, like, but I don't yes. think it fits that highly in my kind of, like, ranking of, of overall Godspeed stuff, just because even as its own thing, it's kind of inconsistent. It's certainly too long. Yes, an hour is too long for this type of thing. I, for me, I think it, it is certainly too long, and it's a little scattered. Um, I don't think we're gonna walk through it as thoroughly. No, as but I've picked out a couple um, songs, and I know you've picked out a couple songs that I think kind of like represent um, kind of cooler moments in it. If we want to get to some yeah, of why, why don't you why don't you pick out some of your favorite moments? Yeah, so I'll say like the first. <laughs> The first, like, four or five minutes is just a variety of short little tape snippet songs. But then it gets to this song that's called uh, When All the Furnaces Exploded, which I think is, like, kind of a cool... Where it like, really starts to... Yeah, to where it really going, starts to, like, resemble structure of songwriting and kind of have some of that, um, like, lo-fi kind of uh, outsider stuff. So I'm going to play a little bit of um, that right now for us. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think it's like kind of yeah. like fun, like songwriting. And then um, I'm just going to go a little bit further into the next track of um, that kind of resolves into this short little track called Beep. And I'm going to play a little bit of that.
interestingly in that, I hear uh, the Ennio Marconi stuff that became F-sharp, A-sharp, like that kind of, like the galloping, yeah. like western kind of stuff. But, like, those, those like, that that's kind of the two samples from the start of the tape that I think are the stronger parts to me are these kind of, like, more indie guitar rock focused um, lo-fi kind of stuff. How, how, how did you hit, how did that sort of hit you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 part, the first part you picked is where it really starts to kind of resolve into an album, right? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, the, the, the feel, the, the tape recordings are very Godspeed and they feel familiar. And then it kind of resolves into an album there. And yeah, it's not, it's not exactly my jam, but I like it. Mm. And but I, I, I definitely like it and... It's an interesting listen. I go. I'm. I'm not sure this will be something I'm going to be throwing on. Yeah. Um, it does. It works really, pretty well for me. I think. Like, it reminds me a lot of like you know, like I was saying, some of the other other bands, like early, really early pavement, like singles and stuff like that. Just absolutely, like, f- sounds like it was recorded on a fucking answering yeah. machine, lo-fi. And I've 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 a place for that in my heart, which you know I understand not everybody does. But what were you gonna say? Yeah. It's 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 even. Um, it's even hard for me to think about favorite parts just because it is such a long album and there's so many kind of dead spaces in between, which is probably the other place you can really see Godspeed in it, right? Is that you have these very long spaces of, of meandering, which they would harness extremely well in their best music and then would kind of be some of the downfall of some of their less good music mm-hmm. and so that's that's the musical instinct i see kind of in here but i mean where where i was kind of vibing it would you mind sc- scroll into the the back half of uh daddy mommy yeah dad mom daddy uh, dad dad mom daddy I'll dad mom daddy For me, that's kind of like if you played in the airplane over the sea at the bottom of a well. <laughs> I was about to say, like this, a... that sounds some, something like the evil brother of, like, a Mountain Goat's uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, like, lo-fi. Yeah, exactly. Kind it, of thing. It's, right. It, it's, it's if you mixed up Neutral Milk Hotel and the Mountain Goats, recorded it on a tape on, like, a boom mag yeah, place. On a boom box. 30 yards, 30 yards away from them and then, like, dropped it in the bottom of a well. That's That's... That's, I think, what Which, you would have. Which, to be honest, and I, like that, and I, I think like there's that. space for that. In, yeah, <laughs> I think cool. there's space for that. Um, so, yeah, that, that that was kind of a part of the album I was really vibing with. But, again, this is half an hour through an hour and eight minute yeah. album. Yeah, and I'll play another bit. Um, so this is the next. This is the first song on side B, which is the very next song after Dad, Mom, Daddy, which, again, is kind of a similar vibe. So we'll check a little bit of that real quick. This is an original song, it's called Cinnamon Skin.
Yeah, so more of a song fragment, but like, I, I actually think melodically, and I, I think that's actually like a really, gr I think that could be a really great song if you had, you know, lyrics and fleshed it out and stuff. Like, uh, again, obviously Ephraim, the guy behind Godspeed with his collaborators, like, has written a ton of incredibly memorable melodic pieces. So it's not like it's shocking that he has an ear for, <laughs> for melody, but it's cool to see it, you know, twisted and warped and presented in this kind of, you know, space. Uh, at least I yeah, think. Yeah, it's it's and it's very cool. Like you said, he he achieves a really cool guitar. Yeah, tone, it's a, right? yeah, it sounds you cool. Know? And the, the texture is very cool. And so it's this is I mean this is the fun right of hearing early music of of someone is you can see his his skill at guitar texture and melody. You can see his love for kind of a like long expansive taking his time between things. You can see his love for the mood setting of these of the the recordings that are sprinkled through, and it's really cool to see all that in an alternate universe here, and then with knowing, you know, being being pleased to know that it will go on to be harnessed into Godspeed You Back Emperor. Yeah, and um, I think. I there's, there, like I said, there's about like 40 minutes of places that we could pick, so it's kind of hard to like pick a specific place. But I'm gonna just kind of go to the middle of some of these songs, um, just to give you like a taste of what some of the um, more tapey kind of experimental stuff is, um, just just so people understand what we're talking about. <laughs> to say that not all of it is structured in SOG fragments. Some of it is longer form, uh, less cohesive <laughs> uh, listening. So, you know, enter at your own risk, but I think if you're open to it, I, I think it's a compelling listen. Yeah, and I, like I said, I don't think we have to, to take it apart on a much deeper level than that. It, it's worth a listen if you have an appetite for something a little bit scuzzier, a little bit lower fi, or are just interested enough. I mean, it's a, uh, honestly, if you would like this album, you've probably heard it's out there. But <laughs> that's true. Um, I mean, like, who knows? Every, every, everyone's unlikely on their that own you are. Journey. It's unlikely that you like are into scuzzy, weird lo-fi stuff, and then have not also like at least been exposed to Godspeed in some, you know, respect. So, I mean, but this is one of like the great, you know, lost albums. There's a handful of, obviously, the biggest one for a long time was um, Smile, the, the Beach Boy stuff, and that was eventually released as its own sessions. But there's been a number of, I'm, I'm probably blanking off the top of my head, of, like, lost albums. I think David Bowie's had some, and Neil Young has had a few that have come through. So, like, I don't know. It's always nice to... I feel like oftentimes they disappoint, or, like, the mythology of them is, is much bigger than what they can be, um, you know, when they're released. But I, I was happy with where this one landed for me. Same. I, I was I was really happy with where it ended. It was it was fun to listen, 
it will probably not end up in my rotation, but I'm happy <laughs> to have heard it. All right, well, hello. And what else have you been listening to this week? Hmm. Good question, Paul. This week, um, the new uh, Beach House album came out, uh, kind of dream poppy stuff, and I've been kind of trying to get into that a little bit. But I'm I'm sort of mixed on are it. You, are you are ever... you a Beach House are you a Beach House fan generally? What's your, yeah, what's your I favorite mean, Beach when House? I when I was in like when we when we were in college, I think they had um, Teen Dream. I think came out around then, um, and be- I believe that was the uh, uh, album. Let me look at the actual year that it came out. 2010. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, and I I really like that album. Like I went. That's kind of what I was so the, the new um Beach House album is called let me find it real quick Once Twice Melody um and it's basically like four kind of like EP length um sections like put together into one it's like four chapters is what they call it and each chapter has I think four or five songs I was kind of like okay on it and then in my mind I was like oh do I not like like Beach House that much but then I went back and listened to Teen Dream and the first couple songs and I was like no this is these are fucking bangers so like I I do like Dream Pop a lot like Cocteau Twins is is one that I would love to do a series on in the future and some of the like Dead Can Dance um uh you know more like 80s gothy Dream Pop stuff I, I enjoy a lot of that I, this this one is not really hitting with me um quite as strongly as some of their past um more uh, stuff did especially like uh bloom i think was one and 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 teen dream um are, have you ever been into them have you ever been a, a beach house boy um teen dream is definitely an album i've been exposed to and have enjoyed listening to um i <laughs> i mean i with pop i'm gonna always super deep into dream pop sometimes i like my pop very bubblegummy and sometimes mm. i like my pop very weird um I mean, dream pop is kind of a kind of an implicit like on down tempo we stuff i'm usually just more like an americana or like you know weather stations kind of like where i split the difference there um it's true you do like more i feel like of like a like a hyper poppy like j poppy k poppy kind of like yeah. thing whereas like that to me is is too much i, I prefer like kind of a like a more like dream pop twee kind of jangle pop like uh a, a little more like chillness to it yeah and for me my you know and like we talk about this you can have room in your heart for multiple things but sometimes someone gets there first and for me real estate is kind of oh yeah is, is your space. like guitar-y. <laughs> yeah that makes yeah, sense. It, yeah if i'm thinking about this kind of like i want like just jingle jangle in the background it's not going to vie for my attention at all It'll just be kind of broadly pleasant in the background. Then real estate is generally where I where yeah, I go. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that it has it has they 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 take up that spot <laughs> um, pretty well. Right. Uh, apart from Beach House, though, I can't think of just like a variety of sort of older things. I picked up. Um, I don't know if you've ever been into uh, the microphones, um, but I picked up a box set that they did of all their stuff. It's sort of like it's actually kind of an interestingly related to this a little bit. It's like late kind of 90s into early 2000s um, sort of Seattle area, like home recordings. It's a mix of kind of like, like almost like choir boy-y vocals, like very um, sort of precious acoustic stuff, but then with like blown out fuzzy drums and guitar-like breaks and, and different kind of things. It's it's cool. I mean, maybe at some point they would be it would be interesting to do like a little mini-series on them. I'm not sure if I have the passion of the microphones enough to carry it through a series, but 
um, that's been one that I've been uh, been kind of uh, into, and and again, kind of related to like home tape stuff. It makes me want to, you know, find a four track player and like a crappy guitar and just like I feel like listening listening to both this Godspeed record and some microphone stuff. Like, I don't know, it's it's cool like what you can accomplish with just zero funds basically, and like yes, just a, cra- a is, shitty sound tape. Cool. Like if you just have the creativity, which I, I don't think I have, but if you have that kind of thing, like you can make absolute garbage like equipment sounds you know purposefully garbage <laughs> like sound cool and good and, and i like i like that about it you know yeah um so yeah perfume genius maybe a, a kind of a lukewarm uh, recommendation for perfume genius from you no 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 sorry not perfume genius fuck be fucking beach house microphones oh beach house Microphones. <laughs> cut cut this cut this cut this cut what are we doing here <laughs> cut this um so for my listening to, um, I've had an extraordinarily busy and stressful and exhilarating past two weeks. So here's what you're going to want to do. Um, you, you're aware of the Talking Heads. I am. You're aware of the song, This This Must Be the Place by the yes, Talking Heads. I am. So here's what you want to do if you want to listen to like five versions of that song kind of back to back. So start out. So you're gonna you're just gonna go on YouTube and you're gonna search on YouTube. This must be the place Talking Heads. You're gonna see a bunch of stuff by the band. Don't worry, we're going to that later. Then you're gonna see Lumineers cover of Oh God Talking Heads. Don't worry, skip that. Don't fucking click on that. That's you don't need any more Lumineers right now. <laughs> what you do need is scroll down a couple more and get Sam Beam of Iron and Wine his cover of This Must Be the Place. Start out there. So number one, Iron and Wine, This Must Be the Place cover. Uh, start there. Then go album version. Album version of This Must Be the Place. Then you want to go to Car Seat Headrest cover of This Must Be the Place. It's a little rockier, up-tempo. It's a jam. It's the best kind of rock cover that I've been able to find. Then you want to go Kishibashi, their cover of the song. It's got violins a little orchestral his voice it's great and then finish up stop making sense live version one of the best sounds ever committed to any kind of media stop making sense david byrne dances with a lamp watch it on youtube it's it's one of my i've never seen um i feel like stop making sense is like a big um i've never seen that oh we need to watch stop making sense it's it's really good I know the big suit. So, I know he got a big suit. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he's really charming. He interviews himself in the big suit, and it's a really great interview. And in blackface. But he does wear... Yeah. No, he does wear... That was, I was just about to say. He does wear blackface for, like, yep, five seconds yep, yep, in yep, there. Yep. And it's a real fucking bummer. Is that a David theme Byrne, through all of our... <laughs> we're going to address blackface, whether it be justin trudeau he's, or david Byrne. he's a love he's a lovely man is a great interview with himself there's no animus at all but he does wear blackface for like five seconds and that's extremely <laughs> unfortunate and then if you want to cool down you can go back to the iron and wine to, to, to cover to take you back out I, I had no idea that you were so passionate about uh, this song it, it it might be like my it is both my comfort song and my celebration song hmm. so i I mean, I was talking, I, I won a couple jury trials over the past couple of weeks, which was extremely exciting. And 
when I got home, the first thing I wanted to do was just throw on the Stop Making Sense version of This Must Be The Place and just kind That's of so uh, funny, cause I dance feel like, around with brandy and underwear. I associate it with like working at Trader Joe's <laughs> because it was like a song, <laughs> a song that they would like they would play on the radio, you know, like on their like whatever it would like early alt like a uh, uh, playlist kind of thing that they had from like fucking Muzak or whatever uh, subscription service they did. So it, it for, reminds for me, me of I associated, that. For me, I associate it with my dad because my dad he was a fan of a lot of new wave, new wave kind stuff. of stuff and. Yeah. I, I remember his six CD changer very well had both Elvis Costello's My Aim is True and Talking Heads um, in it. And that was a very, uh, both of those, I think, very much formed a lot of my music tastes. Interesting. Yeah, Talking Heads is one, that would be an interesting one to do a series on at some point because I have like some oh, it's, thoughts it's, on, it's, it's, on pieces of them. It's, it's, it's on my short list. It's on your short, it's on the radar. <laughs> It's, it's, it's on the radar for me, for sure. I mean, the only problem is that Scott Ackerman is also... Yeah. Uh, talking talking heads fa- to my talking head? <laughs> I think, which is my favorite... My favorite podcast naming convention of all time is you talking you two to me. <laughs> it is pretty good. <laughs> then, you talking, you talking R.E.M. Remy. <laughs> there are lots of good variations of that one. The abandoned right, Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast that they did one episode of. <laughs> Well, because they couldn't find a good way to talk about it. Well, yeah, well, I think they got through, like, the first two albums didn't and they were that like, tur- wait, this actually isn't Didn't that Didn't that turn into the Talking Heads podcast where they were like, yeah, we don't want to... Pivot, they pivoted at some point. They yeah. pivoted. We're like, we don't want to talk about Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is a warning for me because I'd also kind of like to talk about Red Hot Chili Peppers, but maybe we shouldn't go... No, I would like to do... I think uh, RHCP would be a good one because, like, they have such a... Like, I don't know. It's something that I dismiss but also don't know that well. So like, it would be worth me like digging into and seeing you what will I can not find like, that I You like. will not like the front half of the Red Hot Chili If you're thinking there's like a lot of hidden gems for you, Will Pachinski, in the front half of Red Hot Chili Peppers catalog, you are incorrect. No, I don't, I mean, I don't I think, think there are, but I there. would like to like better understand so when I slam them to other people, I can like <laughs> cohesively, you know, comprehensively be like, yes, I've, I've yeah. heard it all and I, all, I know it all sucks. <laughs> That's what I want. Red Hot Chili Peppers was probably the first band where I really felt agency. Is like this is a band that I like because I like them and I'm a fan of them, and yeah. so I have a lot of leftover affection for them because of that. And I think it'd be a really interesting band to talk to because I think they are there are some incredible musicians in that band who. I think John Frusciante is an incredible guitarist, and anytime he shows up in another project, you're like, "What the fuck were you doing with Red Hot Chili Peppers?" And and, and he really can flex it live. But like, I was listening to Mars Volta, a band I really love, and I was like, "This this guitar playing sounds like John Frusciante." And I look on like the track list, and it's like, "Oh yeah, no, that's John Frusciante in here." Just yeah, I think fucking he, I shredding. Think... It was, I think he played, or maybe Fleet even did the bass for the for DeLoust. And so, I don't know. I know that the Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers had some relationship with Mars Volta, and I know Francis the Mute, um, John Frusciante, plays some 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 shredding guitars on there. But yeah. Um, you know, Flea gets a lot of, I think, the praise for, for... A lot of people listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they haven't really heard a lot of expressive bass playing before, and so they hear Flea, and they're like, oh my god, this is the best... Uh, <laughs> bass playing ever which i mean please a talented bassist but there's a lot of as good or better bassists that's interesting because i is. feel that way about every i feel that way about john frusciante as well like i feel like he is a non-guitar players guitar player i mean i'm sure no, that there fucking, are guitar players slammed who, out who, no i mean I, he's 
a, a great guitar player by any you know sense of the imagination but like i don't i don't know i don't think it's like that creative and inventive i think it's like a take on a lot of other people's things and then he kind of makes it his own but i it's just not it's just not my thing like uh, there's a lot of other guitar players i would rather listen to and and same thing with flea where it's like you can play a lot of notes, but, like, I don't care to listen to any of them. I, I think that's what I'm trying to say is that, like, John Frusciante, I think, gets a lot more expressive on his solo or, like, other people's projects. Personally. Yeah. I mean, I the, most of the projects I know are from Mars Volta stuff, which, like, I think, yeah, mm. the playing's fine on it. It's, it's good. <laughs> well, Mars Volta's higher up the list for me than Red Hot Chili Peppers, so Ooh. maybe we'll get to him on that. That would be, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Either way, what we are going to be doing after uh, this little bonus episode break is going into My Bloody Valentine. Uh, very exciting. I've already mapped out the series and given Paul some listening homework. Um, that's going to be a, a wild ride because I think unlike Godspeed, who like starts really strong and then has slight downhills and dips and then peaks and crests, uh, My Bloody Valentine is more like start at the very bottom and then slowly work your way up to greatness, which is like a, a very different, you know... Uh, spread of a of an episode list for us so the first couple episodes might be a little bit you know depending on your taste <laughs> might be a little bit rough but I'm, I'm excited to go through it and uh you know I think i'm excited some of their stuff is their earlier stuff especially is way underheard like they've kind of purposefully never reissued it and they don't like it <laughs> like they 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 are not proud of it at all kevin shields so um it's going to be fun i think to to dive into some of that and sort of see the foundations of like where did loveless come from where did shoegaze come from because like it started off in a very different place and i think it'll be fun to to talk about i think it'll be fun to talk about and it is always fun to talk to you will my friend wow what a heartfelt sign off <laughs> you know I, I i'd rather uh end with something heartfelt good than... good podcast good friends good times good podcast good friend good times i think that's our sign off right now all right and uh thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time on now that's what i got podcast bye bye, bye.